dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Welcome to the Ambassador Podcast, a resource created by a community of Christians seeking to represent God to a watching world in humility, unity, and boldness. Our goal is to educate, be educated, encourage, be encouraged, challenge, and be challenged as we pursue a heavenward perspective of God's heart for racial equity and reconciliation rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's up, y'all? Welcome to The Ambassador. My name is Tracy. I am one of the co-hosts here. And today we're doing stories. And uh, why not start with Jared? So, Jared, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Tracy. Um, My name is Jared. I am uh, originally from Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri, the real Kansas City. A lot of people (laughs) always ask, yo, where are you from? Right? I say Kansas City, like Kansas City, Kansas, or Kansas City, Missouri. I'm like, definitely Missouri, the real Kansas City, right? Yeah. <laughs> we got the Chiefs, we got the Royals, we got the barbecue. Three one um, four day. What's that? Three one four day. Three one four day. Or four one three. Eight one six. Eight one six. Come on, bro. Oh, wow. Why wow. like she knew? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, you got this. No, no, eight one six. Sorry. Well, yeah. Anyway, man, born and raised Kansas City. Uh, and yeah, uh, I played basketball. Played basketball all my life growing up. Uh, played basketball uh, at an early age, not too early. I started playing in middle school, so about mm. 12, 13 years old. Really got into it, started playing AAU, and that took off pretty quickly. Uh, got a chance to play for this team called Rocktown. They're called Mocan now. People who hear this and they know AAU basketball, they'll know that name. And so uh, we got to travel around the country, played in almost probably every country. Uh, or every state in the country. And so um, all over the place from sixth grade until 11th grade. Ended up getting my first scholarship offer in eighth grade to the University of Missouri. I wanted to, I was from Missouri, so I wanted to stay home, be a hometown kid, wanted to actually go play for that college. Uh, Quinn Snyder was the coach at the time, and uh, we had a great relationship. I went there for team camps, elite camps. Um, Man, he just treated me really, really well. And so I saw myself being a Missouri Tiger. Uh, I wanted to commit. My family wouldn't let me. We were trying to mull over some ideas. Sophomore year of high school rolls around. Uh, More offers are pouring in, more letters are pouring in. And, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking University of Missouri, I want to be a Tiger. Uh, sophomore year summer rolls around and Quinn Snyder actually gets fired. So that wisdom from my family, my parents to hold off and just wait uh, was correct. <laughs> right? So when the young athletes, they're looking to commit too early, just hold off. <laughs> just hold on. Wait a minute. Uh, but anyway, ended up. So I had some offers come in, Kansas State, uh, Virginia, Nebraska, Minnesota, um, and, you know, some of those interests kind of waned off because it was it was a, a rumor mill I was going to go to Missouri anyway. But by junior year, I had a chance to come up to Iowa City, Iowa, University of Iowa Hawkeyes. Go Hawks, baby. <laughs> and uh, I went to the elite camp there, performed really, really well, ended up going to the hotel after one night of camp, 
Steve Alford was the coach at the time. He invited me to come up to his to his suite at the hotel. He had all the assistant coaches there. The managers were there. I believe Gary Barta, the athletic director, was there, and they offered me a scholarship on the spot. So right then and there, um, University of Iowa was black and gold, just like University of Missouri. So I felt mm. really at home. You know, <laughs> people always ask me what made you choose Iowa. I was like, yo, it felt it felt like home. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it felt good. And so I uh, went home, kind of made the decision pretty early. I went up there with my high school coach uh, and basically made the decision um, on, the, on the drive back, you know. Uh, talked to my parents and said, hey, this is what I want to do. It was junior year. That was your last year be- being able to play AAU basketball anyway, getting that uh, recognition and exposure. And so um, went ahead. I think a few days passed, and I was able to call up Steve, uh, Steve Offord and say, hey, uh, I made my decision. I want to be a Hawkeye. So gave him my verbal commitment, signed my letter of intent, uh, and was a Hawkeye by 2007. So uh, spent four years at the University of Iowa. Um, Man, I was involved in a lot of the ministries there, FCA, um, you know, just involved in that, uh, leading out in that. And uh, So you came in as a believer? Came in as a believer, uh, gave my life to Christ at a... uh, at a really young age, I was about 10 or 11, gave my life to Christ. I was raised in the church with the family. Um, grew up in a Southern Black Baptist context, uh, so a lot different than where I'm at right now, mm-hmm. right? Uh, gave my life to Christ, uh, professed Jesus Christ, was baptized. Um, and so, yeah, lived that life out. I was a part of, it was it was crazy. So where I, where I lived in Kansas City, I was... Um, I was back and forth. I was stuck in the middle of some mm-hmm. sorts, right? Uh, grew up with a black family. And then so we, we hung around uh, mostly other black families, right? But then I also went to school in more of a predominantly white or mixed environment. Mm-hmm. And so I was always in and out of these two cultures trying to, um, you know, fit in and make sense of them both, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so I would like, on Sundays, I would go to this uh, to this all-black church, Mount Washington Bible Baptist Church, mm-hmm. right? And then I'd go to Antioch Bible Baptist and in, in all-white church, basically, for Omanas on Wednesday nights, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, all growing up through elementary school, middle school. Uh, and that was kind of uh, that rhythm there. In high school, I started leading this inner-city ministry down in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, we would drive around. We'd pick up these kids around the area, take them to this uh, church called City Church, uh, and we just do um, Thursday night Bible studies with those kids and it was, it was amazing. So life-giving, um, got to college in 2007. Uh, like I said, a part of the FCA ministry, there, fellowship of Christian athletes. And it was amazing. Jim Goodrich was out there, took us under his wing as, as athletes. You don't have a lot of time to really do anything. Your time is owned by the university. Yeah. Right. And so the time that I was able to give to FCA was, was precious time, you know, uh, Jim was amazing, man. He he made it a point to actually come to our dorm rooms. He would come to Carver Hawkeye Arena, set up in the locker rooms, um, and just pull out the Bible. You know, read a scripture. It was it was it was a really good time. Really really uh, formational time there. Um, so freshman year playing at University of Iowa. It is eight games in. I've worked my way up to be a starter, uh, playing really really well. Um, and eight games in is about like one or two games before Big Ten play. So we're playing preseason play right now. Um, We're at home. We're down by one point. Uh, I remember like it was yesterday, man. I'm I'm setting a screener roll like I've done a million times before, right? Really simple basketball play. Setting the screener roll on the side, 
rolling to the basket, getting that dump down from my man, Justin Johnson. <laughs> Shout out to my man from Texas, Persia. Uh, I love him, whoever he is. <laughs> Here up. <laughs> nah, but uh, man, hit me on that pick and roll, man. Stopped in the middle of the paint, took off. Uh, I remember I was, it, it was late in the first half. I was felt like I was screaming for like a minute straight, right? Because I was, I, I, I jumped up, I was excited, I was screaming, ah, you know? I dumped the basketball, I'm still screaming with that emotion, ah, I'm coming down, and I land on the ground and just tweak my knee just mm-hmm. enough um, to get those ligaments in my knee, right? And so I'm screaming still, screaming for like a minute straight, right? First from the adrenaline, the excitement, coming down, now it's the pain. Um, and it's so crazy, didn't step on anybody's foot, didn't step on the ball, you know, there was no object under there. Uh, and it was just so crazy how, how it happened. It was a freak accident. I call it that all the time. Uh, it had to have been. And so, uh, you know, I couldn't put any more pressure on my leg. And so immediately I feel that snap. I hear that snap. Uh, and I hop a couple times. There's a video on YouTube somewhere. And I, and I fall on the ground, you know, holding my knee, screaming. Uh, first to come to me, John Streif. You know, if, if you've been to University of Iowa, if you're an athlete at University of Iowa in particular, uh, you would know John Streif and you love John Streif. Mm. Um, and so he was there, man, and he was telling me, first thing he says to me, <laughs> everybody would know this, it's not good, but <laughs> mm. it's not looking good, but, mm. you know. Uh, and so it, 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 it turned out that game, eight games in, freshman year, um, as a starter, I tear my ACL, mm. I uh, partially tear my MCL, and I rupture both my meniscus. So my medial and lateral meniscus completely torn, flipped. Mm. They had to reconstruct them. Um, and so what typically would have been an ACL surgery, would have took a couple hours at most, um, ended up being an eight-hour surgery to basically reconstruct my whole, my whole knee. Mm. You know, And that was... I think that was, um, man, one of the major times that God had got my attention, you know, uh, was right then and there just thinking, man, my livelihood could be gone, you know. Uh, I was thinking I was a high-profile athlete coming out of high school. I was doing really well in college, Big Ten school, um, turning into a fan favorite, turning into a, to a into the national spotlight. Uh, and there I was laying on the ground with my livelihood just slipping from my fingers, you know. Um, and so I remember at the hospital, laying in bed, crying out to God, <laughs> you know, um, all that kind of stuff, you know. And I, and I think in that moment, I, I wouldn't have known this or said this back then, but I think um, uh, basketball was taken off the top shelf in my life, I mm-hmm. think, in that, in that moment. Um, it wasn't completely... Uh, uh, removed as an idol in my life, but it was, but it definitely got taken down a step, right? Because uh, the attention, the attitude I had toward it uh, before that moment was ridiculous. You know, <laughs> you ask me who I was. I was a basketball player. You, you asked me what I wanted, what I wanted to do. I wanted to play basketball. You know, be in the NBA. Um, but after that, man, it, it was just uh, the simple love of the game took over. You know, I loved playing basketball. I loved being with the guys. I loved the sport, the camaraderie. Um, a couple of the awards that I won, I I never won like the, the the MVP awards or nothing like that. But I got the you know the Chris Street Award, which is the University of Iowa Award um, for the um, 
I don't know, the, the, it's like a sportsmanship award, right? The guy that has the toughness, has the camaraderie, you know, builds sportsmanship amongst the teammates, all that kind of stuff. The glue guy holds things together. Uh, that was me, you know, even Big Ten nationally. Got the Big Ten sportsmanship award two years in a row, you know? <clears throat> and so it's just like, uh, that's how God kept me in the game, you know, allowed me to do that. And so an injury that should have taken me away from the game, just point blank right there, he allowed me to continue uh, play the rest of my career, those three years, sophomore, junior, senior year, um, and even allowed me to play six years pro overseas, you know, um, which is unreal. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a complete miracle. You know, I, I, it should have never been. Any kind of basketball after that freshman year should have never happened, let alone six years of professional basketball playing overseas, you know. Um, so it was great. My first year out, I played in Iceland. Um, oh, meanwhile, yo, I met my wife yeah, in college. Y'all can't, I can't, I can't blow her. by that. Hold yeah. on now. Hold on now. I'm about to text Trish and be like, she's about to get a word Come on, dog. I'm about to text Trish and be like, hey, you he ain't even, he ain't even. So, yeah, met my wife in, in college, man. Um, funny story, uh, I'm in ministry now, but, but this kind of started that train. Uh, I guess, you know, never really linked it back that far, but I guess that's, that's really the truth in it all. Um, she was actually from Ames, Iowa, uh, which is a rival city of Iowa City, Iowa, because Ames, Iowa has Iowa State. Uh, Iowa City, Iowa has University of Iowa. She was an Ames kid, born and raised. Her whole family, diehard Cyclone fans, right? And she's playing basketball, uh, wanting to go to Iowa State, ends up getting a scholarship from Iowa, uh, takes that leap. It's really hilarious. They had this family photo of her before she goes to University of Iowa and she's the only one with the Iowa girl. <laughs> and she's sitting in the middle, all the family's looking at her all crazy, right? Pointing yeah. at her and, you know, doing all this kind of crazy stuff. And, and it's just so cool, man. But anyway, she, she ended up bridging that gap. She comes to University of Iowa. Uh, she's two years behind me. So when I was a junior, she was a freshman. Um, but with her comes uh, a church plant from Ames. Right with her comes a church plant. Uh, they start a college ministry there, uh, and that college ministry ends up blowing up. It becomes being a part of uh, the city, Iowa City, right? Uh, and so I meet her. Uh, we're going to FCA together for a while. She introduces me to some of the pastors at this church. Uh, I end up meeting them. Uh, end up, you know, getting relationship with them, moving Trish into her apartments, in and out of, you know. And uh, one of the pastors ends up taking me under his his, his wing, Jeff Thune. Um, he actually married my wife and I. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he's no longer a part of the church in, in, in Iowa City now, but great God, we still are in communication with one another. Um, but yeah, so we were doing, uh, he kind of discipled me a little bit in that. We had a football player uh, who was also uh, being discipled by Jeff at the time. And so we spent a lot of our time together at the offices, uh, going out to eat. I remember they had their first kid and I was like the first person to the hospital, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Wouldn't held that wouldn't held their baby, baby Coda. Uh I remember that man. She may not remember me, man, but I remember her. Uh, but it was it was an amazing time, you know. Uh that was my first time actually getting a chance of uh, a true, I'll say Christian fellowship outside of when I was in Kansas City, uh was when that church came down. I remember trying to go to different churches in Iowa City and none was working and coming from the context where I was. You know, uh, be bluntly honest, you know, only a girl would be able to get me to get in that context <laughs> that, uh, that I was, <laughs> that I, was in. Uh, I just I just knew nothing about it. Right. Just that kind of 
evangelical Western Christian culture. Like I, I, I didn't know anything about it. All I knew was, um, you know, from Southern Black Baptist Church to um, uh, we, we were going to a multi-ethnic church by the time I was leaving high school, uh, right there in Gladstone, Missouri, right outside of Kansas City. And so, um, yeah, met my wife there. Uh, we ended up dating. Um, we were dating, I think, one year before I left to go overseas. And so we finished that year up. I go overseas, uh, play one year in Iceland. I come back home from Iceland and we get engaged. Um, down in Florida, you can look that up on on Facebook. We did a video. I I read a poem to her. Uh, she had no idea. Completely surprised. I remember asking her father if I could uh, marry her. We were at the lake. They have a little lake house, family lake house. Uh, early in the morning, woke up, knew it was on my mind. Went down, knees shaking, uh, knees shaking, bro. <laughs> you know, didn't <laughs> didn't even know what I was gonna say. <laughs> You know, and ended up, you know, whatever I could muster up out of my mouth, man, I just asked, you know, hey, uh, I really like your daughter. <laughs> I really like your daughter. Hey, she's so nice. Uh, can, I, can I marry her? You know, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, and it wasn't quite like that, but it was, but it was something like that. <laughs> you know, it was something like that. And I was like, you know. I remember being surprised that his answer was so quick and that it was a yes. And he was like, what would you think I was going to say? And I was like, I don't know. At least ask me <laughs> something. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, we end up, so we get engaged uh, that year. Um, I go overseas. I play basketball in France. I come back from France and we get married that year. And so we spend the next four years of our life uh, overseas, uh, me playing basketball. She played some pro basketball over there as well. Uh, we ended up having two kids. Mm. While I was in France, uh, Miss Kata Bell, she's five. Uh, Riley, she is three. Um, and then we, I got done playing basketball in 2017. Um, called myself retiring from the sport. Um, and it was actually that time. Uh, we won't have a lot of time to go into this, but that's when uh, basketball was really derailed um, as, my, as my God. Like that, that foundation was shaken uh, extremely in 2017, and I think was a catalyst for God to truly uh, grasp my heart, right? And 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 when His voice that's always calling, follow me, follow me, follow me, was when it was the most audible, you know. Um, and I think uh, that w- that's what brings me to where I am now. So it's 2020, 2017. We get back to America. Um, a lot of different things play out there, discerning some calls. And uh, 2019 ended up finding myself into. Uh, full-time vocational ministry. And so I've been doing that for a year. Man. Yeah. That's a good word right there. Come follow me. Come follow me. How did you yeah. like, even now we think through like ambassador, what's the heart behind it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, man, the ambassador, it's a, it's a project I've been thinking about um, for some time now, you know, um, it's, the heart behind ambassador is to put it to put it simply is reconciliation, uh, and specifically racial reconciliation. You know, there's no there's no doubt. Um, everybody can see it that in America, the racial tension that's been here on our soil um, from the beginning. You know, that was in thought first, and then it was actually in action. Uh, you know. Uh, and the genocide of the Native Americans, and then with the uh, slavery of the African Americans, the Africans, excuse me, um, and then so forth, 
you can take a walk through history and you can just see this, this seedbed of racism um, that just formulated everything, you know? And so I think the Bible was still being preached and people were still coming to Christ, uh, but they were clearly listening to a truncated gospel. Mm. You know, they, they were coming to a, to a, uh, a, a, a fraction of who Jesus Christ is. Right when they heard the name Jesus Christ, when they heard what the gospel was, they weren't hearing the love of neighbor <laughs> in that in that proclamation. Right when we think of what God calls us to, He calls us in the Great Commandment to one love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, uh, and strength. Right, and then the second thing is love your neighbor as yourself. Right, uh, it's one commandment, two parts to one commandment. You can't divorce one and and have the other. Right, they don't exist, and so. Uh, if that's true of the gospel, uh, man, my heart bleeds for that, mm-hmm. right? And so what does that look like for us as Americans? It looks like racial reconciliation, you know, when we take uh, the divides that we see in the scripture and we apply those to where we are now, uh, particularly in uh, what Paul says in Second Corinthians 5, you know, with the ministry of reconciliation, we get um, something tangible that we can hold on to and put in the, and put in the play here where we are. So um, that's my heart. Yeah, Jared, that's a, a good word that we all need to cling to, even as we think of being people who know and love mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. have a heart that beats for that yeah. racial reconciliation. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for listening to the Ambassador Podcast. If you would like to hear more episodes or get more information about the Ambassador, please check out our website at www dot we are ambassador dot com.